right, all right, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we have an amazing guest today. I recently had the privilege of being on her podcast just a few weeks ago, and, and she was so gracious to drive down here to Vista, California, return the favor. Uh, this is someone that I've personally been inspired by her boldness, her courage, uh, her wit and ability to have good faith debates with people and never i don't think i've ever seen her get flustered in these <laughs> tense situations without any further ado ladies and gentlemen the wonderful lila rose <laughs> thanks Ruslan. it's very kind <laughs> thank you so much for being here thanks for having me all right great so to, great to be here i got so many things i want to talk to you about but Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. For those folks that may not be familiar with your personal story, before we get into live action and uh, you being on Dr. Phil and owning the red pill and all these <laughs> different things, for folks who don't know, let's take them back to where you're from, what kind of family, upbringing, those sorts of things, sure. and just share a bit about your story. Yeah, so I'm from San Jose, California, okay. so born and bred Californian, and I'm one of eight kids, got five brothers and two sisters, and we were homeschooled. Respect. So already, Respect. I, I like you're it. homeschooling. I yes. heard that. Yes, actually had my first homeschool lesson or one of my first with my three-year-old. So this morning, I'm kind of trying it out, and he's Congrats. a little young for school, but he was into it. He liked it. Start him early. Um, but it was really kind of a, a special upbringing in that we got to explore lots of different things as kids and mm -hmm. do lots of different extracurriculars. And my parents are really. My dad was a stereotypical nerd and like into software and into books. And my mom was into teaching. And so it was a really beautiful upbringing in many ways. But it gave me the freedom as a kid to explore things I was really interested in mm -hmm. and follow my creativity. And one of the things that I became really passionate about as a kid was fighting for life. Mm. And so I can tell you that story, uh, basically like the genesis of live action, my organization mm -hmm. or one of my organizations. But um, but yeah, being also one of eight kids, you just see the beauty. Mm. Um, and I know everybody has different family backgrounds. Just because you're from a big family doesn't mean your family's perfect. Mine certainly wasn't. But there was this beautiful sense of life is a gift. And mm -hmm. like, I'm the third oldest, oldest girl, lots of babies in the house. So they're just like, life is beautiful. Yeah. Kids are good, yep. chaotic. But um, that was like the, you know, the the experience growing up was a very pro-life one just by the way we lived. Were your were your parents outspoken about the position or was it church or like what was it? Yeah, that... interestingly, so my parents were obviously pro-life. I mean, uh -huh. they had eight kids, but they weren't activists. So okay. the first time I ever went outside in a clinic, I went. I would end up going undercover in a clinic later on. But my uh -huh. first time physically at an a clinic yeah. was to pray outside at 14 years old. Wow. And that was the first person in my family to do that. And 
I that was born out of just things that really moved me as a kid when I learned. I was mostly through books, honestly, that mm-hmm. I found out about a I started to study it. But my parents allowed me mm-hmm. to go down this journey. You know, they were very encouraging and supportive of mm-hmm. my activism as mm-hmm. a kid, mm-hmm. which is unusual, you know, if mm-hmm. I had to go, you know, typical school. Sure. You know, every day a week for eight hours, five, yep. eight hours a day would yep. have been would have been different. I think. Yep. Were your parents people of faith as well? Yeah. So we grew up in. I was raised evangelical okay. in sort of a you know Bible based Protestant church. Um, really great faith community in many ways. Mm-hmm. It was almost never talked about. Interesting. Almost never. So I don't even remember a single time it was talked about growing up. And it wasn't until high school huh. when I would ask my youth pastor, "Hey, like the rate is the same." among self-professed Christians mm-hmm. as it is among the secular world. Mm-hmm. I mean, according to surveys mm-hmm. of women who've had abortions, they identify as Christian mm-hmm. just as much as non-Christian. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously kids in high school are going to be, maybe if they're, you know, sleeping around or if they have sex and they get pregnant, they mm-hmm. might be facing an unplanned pregnancy. What's the church's response to yeah. What do we say? If we say nothing, then we are basically enabling the culture's abortion preying on women and girls. Wow. So my pastor, my youth pastor took me a year. I would like meet with him and yeah. it took me a year to convince him to talk about in the youth group. Good and for you. Did you press him on this? Eventually we did. Eventually wow. he let me and some friends come in and we had this awesome. presentation we designed. I was like 15 years old and yeah. we did this whole thing about what a is, what fetal development is, the facts of life, um, the harm to women. Yeah. But it took a year. How big was your youth group? I think probably... Up to 100 kids. I mean, it was okay. a good size. Probably that would come on Sundays, maybe 40, 50 kids. Okay. So, I mean, this is a, this is a big size group of Yeah, of the people. church was several thousand, yeah. I think, families. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So you start wanting to share this with your pastor, mm-hmm. and then you go out and you pray in front of this clinic. Yeah. And then, like, like how does... How does it compound and turn into all of this now? <laughs> How did it? I mean, it's, it, it still feels crazy when you look at, like, you know, you start something and you yeah. don't realize where it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. But I, so I was first in, convicted because I actually found out about what a was by reading this book. Mm-hmm. And it had um, the history of a in America. It had the statistics. Mm. So at the time, there were over 3,000 abortions happening daily. Most people had uh, no clue. I had yeah. no clue. Uh, it talked about how was legal through all three trimesters mm-hmm. in some states. Mm-hmm. And then in the first trimester, the baby, you know, the heart is beating at just three and a half weeks, mm-hmm. um, brain waves firing by just seven weeks. And I actually saw images of victims. Mm. And there's nothing that will... Uh, victims that survived? Of children killed by... A okay, children that were killed by... A okay, yeah, gotcha. and there's nothing more powerful than an image of someone, a human. You can tell the humanity of the mm-hmm, baby mm-hmm. in the first trimester. You can mm-hmm. see arms, legs, a oh, tiny yeah. face. Ten fingers, ten toes, everything. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to actually see what does to that first trimester baby. Mm-hmm. Most people have no clue. Mm-hmm. They think it's just a blood clot. It's just a bunch of mm-hmm. cells. Yep. They're brainwashed by our society who mm-hmm. dehumanizes the baby. Mm-hmm. And I saw this image of this baby, 10 weeks old, first trimester, yeah. who'd been torn apart by a suction um, a suction procedure, and I was just deeply moved by that. And I thought, I have to do something about mm-hmm. this. I can't mm-hmm. pretend this isn't happening, yeah. especially when it's happening 3,000 times a day. And get this, 10 miles from my home where I grew up in San Jose, there's a Planned Parenthood clinic mm. killing babies up to 24 weeks. <sighs> Pain-capable babies, yeah. some of them old enough to survive outside the womb with medical care, yep. dismembering them. Yep. And I was just like, I can't 
I can't not do something about this. Mm -hmm. So that inspired me to start Pro-Life Club, which would later become Life Action. And at 14, with my parents' permission, I got in touch with a church who knew somebody that was praying outside of there peacefully, went outside in front of my first clinic just to pray and just to stand in solidarity. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you watch girls and women going in, some of them crying. Mm -hmm. You see some of them visibly pregnant, Mm -hmm. knowing they're going to go into this brick building. Mm -hmm. Their children are going to be killed. Mm-hmm. You're going to walk out without that baby, and it changes you. Yeah, and yeah. I was just like, I, I gotta, I gotta get in this fight. This yeah. is the fight of our day. How did that evolve from pro life club at your high school into building a nonprofit and doing the advocacy work that you do now? Yeah, I mean, I think it was taking the next right step to continue to grow the mission. Mm-hmm. So Pro-Life Club turned into live action when I realized we needed like an official name. Mm-hmm. And we were like, what should we call it? It was with some friends in my mm-hmm. parents' living room. And I'm like, it needs to be about action. It needs mm-hmm. to be about life. It mm-hmm. needs to be about media. Let's call it live action. They're like, that's a, st-. my friend was like, that's a stupid name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that didn't age that's, well. <laughs> that's the name. It is live action. Yeah. Uh, and then we started doing presentations at churches okay. and schools Come on. to educate other kids yes. our age, yep. other teens. Yep. And that was my first youth pastor. My youth pastor was my first church. After that, we did dozens of churches Mm -hmm. and dozens of schools. And then after that, I ended up in college. I go to college, Mm -hmm. UCLA. Kind of chose it to do activism, to be honest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Got there, started live action UCLA. Um, Started my classes, my extracurriculars, but started doing activism on campus. Mm -hmm. Started started a pro-life magazine for campus. Mm -hmm. Started doing investigations of my healthcare center on campus. And then started doing investigations of local clinics in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that it, when would you say that it kind of became what it is now? I from, think from that co- I think, after college. I think a big moment was after one of my first undercover investigations, which by the way I did with James O'Keefe. I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff. Project Veritas uh-huh. now, yep, yep. or no, not anymore, a different organization. But anyways, I had met him in college. He was working for another organization, and he was helping train other students. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I did this first couple investigations, put them on YouTube. This was like the early days of YouTube. Yes, back in the day. Put them on YouTube. And these are undercover investigations showing Planned Parenthood, the biggest chain, covering up abuse of minors Mm. and giving them secret abortions. So I'm posing as the minor girl, 15 Mm -hmm. years old, Mm -hmm. saying I have a much older boyfriend. I'm pregnant. What do I do? Mm -hmm. This is statutory. This is illegal in the state of California. And you're supposed to report it as a medical provider. Mm. Planned Parenthood doesn't report it. They tell me to lie about my age on the paperwork. And I have this on camera. Wow. And so I put this up on YouTube. Gets like 100 views the first day. I'm like, okay, 50 from me, 50 for my mom watching it on her computer. Over and over. (laughs) Don't run the views up. you got to start somewhere. And then within a few days, it's like 20,000 views. Wow. Because blogs start to pick it up. Like, who's this college girl, 18 years old, doing these investigations of clinics? And then I get my first like Fox News primetime cable hit. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, long story short, get a, Planned Parenthood tries to sue me. Wow. They threaten to sue me. This pro bono legal group called ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom. Mm-hmm. I get that. in touch with them. They're like, we'll help you because you're trying to do good work. And mm-hmm. it's unfair that they're trying to sue you for doing investigative reporting of them. Mm-hmm. California is really biased. I get my first attorney. I get my first PR kind of support through this organization, mm-hmm. do more media. Then I get to meet another attorney through another organization. And he's like, I'll help you file pro yeah. bono nonprofit status. Mm-hmm. And then we launch live action news and mm-hmm. our website. And then I start thinking, okay, this isn't just Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This isn't just UCLA. Mm-hmm. There's a crisis 
globally mm-hmm. and the industry is needs to be exposed, mm-hmm. but no one's doing it. Mm-hmm. Like when was the last time the New York Times did an expose yeah. of an abortion clinic? Yeah, they I, can't, I can't think of any. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they support it. They're all. Yep. So that inspired me to start, let's take this national. And so while a student, I started traveling the country on summer break or on spring break, or I would just <laughs> take off from class to be perfectly honest and mm-hmm. go out and start doing undercover investigations of clinics, publishing my reports, putting them out in my magazine, on my website. Mm-hmm. And that launched our national, you could say, imprint. And what year was that where you guys officially like became because it sounds like this is a very slow, but when did it be kind of become the, the, I want to, oh, you guys are almost the face of the pro-life yeah. movement now. When did, when would you say that moment happened? Was it bef- probably before the Dr. Phil moment? I think, I mean, so we, we were like the biggest social media platform for the pro-life movement mm-hmm. almost from the beginning mm-hmm. because social media was kind of growing up alongside live action. Mm-hmm. And we were just, we recognized, cause I was, I'm a millennial and mm-hmm. I, I think you're a millennial, mm-hmm. right? Yep. yep. Um, and then we quickly started employing Gen Zers as we got older. And so we just knew this is where it's at. Like yep. the debate is happening on the internet. Yep. Public opinion is being, the narratives are shaped here on mm-hmm. Instagram, here on, in, you know, now on TikTok and on YouTube. So we just were using these platforms from the get-go mm-hmm. to build the pro-life movement. Yep. And so that's why, you know, now we have over 6 million followers mm-hmm. and um, we just kind of grew up with independent media. Yeah. And we became the biggest source of independent media for the pro-life movement or even the yeah. side, like yeah. we're bigger than Planned Parenthood yeah. on social media. That's awesome. Um, it's when I think New York times did run a thing on porn and their I saw that. angle was that the, the, the youth tie in, like the number of youth that are associated with it and the number of people that are getting trafficked with it. Right. That, that, and then they kind of more or less came out and were like, yeah, this mm-hmm. isn't a net positive to society. Mm-hmm. When you did your under, undercover work, and I've heard this statistic before, that there is a lot of uh, trafficking covered up, that there is a lot of statutory covered up by mm-hmm. and they don't ever report, report it like they're supposed to. Uh, how, how many times did you see that play out? Yeah. And what are the numbers of that? Because like, I would think if there's any place where you where we would find common ground, it would be on mm-hmm. like, let's stop trafficking. <laughs> like, like if yeah. there's anything that like, if you're not a Christian, you're like, yeah, I still don't want girls to be trafficked and then Planned Parenthood covered up, you know? So we documented trafficking cover up actually mm-hmm. and sexual abuse cover up of minors mm-hmm. in 17, 17 Planned Parenthood clinics. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, we, what was the justice? Some of the Planned Parenthood workers were fired. Mm-hmm. So Planned Parenthood would throw their employees under the bus, say, oh, this isn't systemic. This is your fault. And like 17 times. Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then they were defunded in some states after mm-hmm. our investigative reports. Mm-hmm. Um, your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. There was actually a grand jury trial convened to... Um, uh, investigate one of the um, nurses, you know, at Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are like managers. So like in New Jersey, as an example, mm-hmm. our investigators, so I trained them, went undercover posing as like a pimp and as 
prostitute basically, or his mm-hmm. kind of assistant. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting down with a manager of a New Jersey Planned Parenthood clinic mm-hmm. in Perth Amboy, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, yeah, we've got these girls. We, we took, they're from Latin America, basically. Mm-hmm. They're 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. We need services for them. Mm-hmm. And the Planned Parenthood worker's like, tell me more, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, well, we want them to be able to get abortions here. Do you have discounts for us? And she's like, we, I got you. My And gosh. then this is where it got the most twisted you can imagine. The Planned Parenthood worker, our, our sort of investigator says, yeah, what do I do after the to continue to make money. The girl's got to make money because after you're not supposed to have intercourse for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so like the girl's got to make money. So how are we going to make money after they get an mm-hmm. And this Planned Parenthood manager is like, waste up. Ugh. Waste up. Do stuff. Waste up with them. Oh, my god! I mean, this is Planned Parenthood, the biggest chain yeah. in the country. It's managers. Is it Managers are, are instructing our investigators how to traffic teenage, like 12 and 13 year, 13 year old girls. Mm-hmm. And you would think that Planned Parenthood is getting over half a billion dollars in taxpayer money, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like that was the whole like underpinning here. We yeah. are doing these investigations because we're exposing the evil happening that mm-hmm. everyone's ignoring, the mm-hmm. media, the politicians. Mm-hmm. So after that, the House of Representatives actually passed the first ban on, a, on Planned Parenthood funding mm-hmm. in history. Wow. Bipartisan. So Democrats, independents, and Republicans voted for this. And but what that's year, maybe what year when was we this? really, that was 2011. 2011 so I was okay. like just graduated college. Come I think on. that was the year we were really on the map as yeah. an organization. Like, okay, they're serious. They're yeah. making impacting political change. Come on. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's really powerful that you guys impacted policy, you know? And wow. And so have they stopped doing this? <laughs> Is no. it still happening? Like it's still ha- no, they're a lot more careful. Uh-huh. I do think they call um, child protective services and the police more than they did in the past mm-hmm. because they know they're being watched. Mm-hmm. But they're committing a lot of other heinous crimes. Um, an example: one of my um, former uh, Planned Parent or live action um, staff members, team members, David Delayden, mm-hmm. he went on to investigate the baby parts sale mm-hmm. um, at. Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you saw these I've, videos. I've heard of this. I don't remember this. You should have him on the show. He's actually here in Southern California. Okay. But he's phenomenal and he went and investigated and exposed Planned Parenthood. After they killed these babies, mm-hmm. they will put them on ice, mm-hmm. give them to a middleman who will sell them up to, they can make several hundred dollars a baby, Ugh. sell their heart, their liver, their lungs, sell different parts of their brain. Yeah. Different parts of this baby, usually 20-week-old baby. Ugh. I mean, this is a baby that within weeks can survive outside the womb. Yeah. You're, we're talking an infant here yeah. 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 that they slice up and sell the pieces of. Yeah. And he, this is all documented on tape. Yeah. So what's happening with Planned Parenthood today? Well, they're still getting some, you're still getting federal tax money. They're defunded in a lot of states uh-huh. thanks to all of this investigative work. Yep. But they're still getting tax money. I mean, mm. under President Biden, he loves them. Mm-hmm. Our, our current administration loves Planned Parenthood. They can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, they're the biggest chain. Yeah. You know, they're killing over a thousand children every day mm. and they're doing all of these other evils in association with the evil of. It has went down since you guys been doing this. Stuff? It has. What do the numbers look like now? So when I started, decade? it was like, I think 32, 300. Now we're 2,500 a day. Children okay. killed. Uh-huh. I mean, still it's a lot. Still, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's the leading cause of death. Yeah. There's yep. no other cause of death. Heart disease, cancer, accidents. Yeah. Kills more human beings than any other cause of death. What was your impression when 
the Supreme Court finally overturned Roe v. Wade. That seemed like a big deal that, if I'm honest, I don't. I think most Christians weren't expecting that to happen. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of people had kind of given it up. Mm-hmm. I hate when people give up, by the mm-hmm. way. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like, guys, have vision, mm-hmm. believe, mm-hmm. fight. Um, I know it's tempting to give up, but God has a plan, and we have to fight for it. But I, I wasn't surprised. I kind of believed it would always, I always believed it would happen. I believe it will be abolished in this country. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and how much, especially Christians, are willing to acknowledge this is a human rights abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is not just killing our children. It's wounding our women. Yeah, It's wounding our men. It's destroying our families. Yep. Uh, so I think that, you know, Roe v. Wade being overruled, Step one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now we have the battles to fight because yeah. children are being killed in places like California. Yeah, yeah. Here's, You're gonna have to bleep out a lot of words. Right? It's all good. We'll, we'll, we'll make Sorry. it work. Here's something that I I was listening to someone who, again, I would I, I would call them like pro pro life light or pro choice light, and they said this. It was really interesting. They said at one point it will be a thing of the past. Mm because of technological breakthrough or because of legalities or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then how will we look back at this a hundred years or 50 years after the fact, like how, like objectively speaking, like how will we look back at this in the realistic sense of what is actually transpiring? Mm -hmm. Not what we think is transpiring, not what we're told is transpiring, but in the the reality of what's transpiring. And it will probably look back at it. Like, you know, uh, frontal lobotomies, you know, used to, used to treat mental health, you know? And it's like, you know, it's so it's so the antithesis to what actually healthcare is mm-hmm. and what is actually going to tr- mm-hmm. help. Like this doesn't help people. This isn't a net yeah. positive for the people that are going through mm-hmm. it. This isn't a net positive for the guys that are mm-hmm. pushing women to do this. And I think when we look back at this, like it's we're gonna look back and be like, we had this dark moment in our history, and I can't believe we were okay with it. I mean, we've had a lot of other dark moments in our history and not just America's history, but in world civilizations, yeah. world histories yeah. in our country during the time of slavery. You look at you. You look back at what the abolitionists were dealing with mm-hmm. at the time, those fighting against the legalized legalization of enslaving mm-hmm. your fellow human yep. beings. Yep. And they were told it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Oh, slavery is so enshrined. Yes in our culture, in our DNA Mm -hmm. as a society. We can never, it's legal. It's been done for centuries by civilizations Mm -hmm. across the world. Slavery Mm -hmm. is just a part of life. Mm -hmm. It's how things are. Why, you guys are crazy basically. Mm -hmm. And abolitionists really struggled Mm -hmm. to make their way, to to fight for their cause. But they believed, no, Mm -hmm. I believe in America without slavery. And after a bloody civil war and after a tremendous amount of work, blood, sweat, and tears, Mm -hmm. they accomplished that vision. And obviously there's still more fights to be had. I mean, segregation and racism, there's still work to be done. Mm -hmm. You look at Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. What was, what was the crime? What was the, what was the death toll in Nazi Germany? Six, seven million Mm -hmm. human beings extinguished because of their ancestry because they were Jewish or because they were gypsies mm-hmm. because of their uh, their their political dissidents mm-hmm. obviously primarily with anti-semitism that was a huge driver of the yes. slaughter right yes. the bloodshed it's insane yep. but you look back and not you know Germans everyday Germans they didn't think of themselves as killers mm-hmm. they didn't think of themselves as part of the the evil they were just like oh yeah we know bad stuff is happening over yep. there but we're not going to get too involved. Right. We're not going to get, it's too, it, it's, you know, it's not really, is it our fight? You know, we're going to just try to get through this war. 
America today has killed over 50, over 60 million children mm-hmm. since Roe v. Wade. Yeah. It eclipses any other human rights abuse over the last few centuries. Yep. What's our response? Yeah. What's yeah. our response? Yeah, and um, I have a I have a lot a lot of responses that that have gotten me in trouble, <laughs> but so have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've gone on uh, some some big platforms and you've debated this, and uh, I would say at times uh, been dehumanized and attacked personally. Uh, the the I think the time I'm trying to think when I first saw your stuff. It, it, I think it was. I probably I've seen live action for for a while, but I think I saw you probably first on Doctor Phil. Mm-hmm. I want to say how long ago was that? Last fall. That was last fall. Um, tell me what that experience was like, because that was mm-hmm. intense. And I, you know, in good faith conversations, we always talk about. Um, can we lower your mic? Yeah, sorry. And then just point it up for me, just a smidge. Yeah. There we go. Uh, on on Doctor Phil, you go on there and you have this mm-hmm. conversation, and they were so mean <laughs> so mean to you and mm-hmm. you were able to stay so stoic and like yeah. composed and i was so impressed so yeah. walk me through what that experience was like on dr phil and that because i because i gotta i gotta go through all of the, yeah. the, the the moments i've seen you just crush but walk mm-hmm. me through that well first a little backstory i i have been talking to people who disagree with me for like since i was 14 years old on a- it's like your superpower so I mean, you just you do it enough times, yeah. and you're like nothing surprises you yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, anyone who's listening who's like, "Oh, I'm so scared to like engage someone who disagrees," it's just a it's like it's like working a muscle. You just yeah. have to do it, you know, lovingly. You're not going to get it right every time, yeah. but put yourself out there and have the conversation. Yeah. So by the time I get to Dr. Phil, I have been doing like I've done CNN, I've done you know MSNBC, I've talked to all of these mm-hmm. hostile people for years, really, because mm-hmm. all through my 20s, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in college, that's what I was doing, talking to other fellow students. Yeah. So Dr. Phil, you don't really scare me. You know, he's mm-hmm. a nice guy. You know, yeah. it, it, it was just like, okay, let's see what we've got here. Yep. And it was funny because the producer had told my team as we were booking it, they're like, okay, the audience, we make sure 50% pro-life. Yeah, right. 50% pro-life. Yeah, right. That's nonsense. <laughs> I know. And I was like, I kind of went, I'm like a little suspicious about that because yeah. they say stuff like that, yep. you know, yep. we're fair, we're fair. And then afterwards, Dr. Phil asked the audience, how many of you support a woman's right to choose? And especially the way you say that, it's so biased. Mm-hmm. How many of you support dismembering a child in the womb, right? Mm-hmm. It depends how you say it. Right. And every hand almost shot outside except yeah. for like my friend in the audience, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I'm like, guys, come on, this was not set up to yeah. be fair sure. to the pro-life point of view. Sure. But nonetheless... um, yeah, I mean, I think there's so much anger around a lot of things today. Yeah. Because a lot of people are hurting. And so when these discussions are had, that anger can bubble up. And when it when it comes to, you know, if you've had an abortion, and I've, I've interviewed so many who've had abortions, I know people, you know, people on our team, mm-hmm. um, meaning they've had one and they realize what it was. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, if, especially as a Christian, they repent for that. Mm-hmm. And they find forgiveness and healing for that, and they become some of our strongest ambassadors for life. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, if you're not, if you don't feel forgiven, if you haven't acknowledged what happened, if mm-hmm. you're stuffing that pain mm-hmm. and that shame down, what happens? Anger yep. happens yep. when you're confronted with reality. Yep. And so I see that a lot, and I think that's what happened on Dr. Phil. Is there were several audience members or members there who were advocating for that were just angry, mm. and they couldn't handle anyone daring to tell them. That that was a child, yeah, 
Yeah. That was a human life because mm-hmm. that reality, and this is my psychoanalysis, I don't know their exact stories, but I see this at large. Mm-hmm. There's so much anger and pain out there. So when you see that anger, there's pain underneath it. Mm. And that's why I think it's a moment to be compassionate, honestly, yeah. because this is a person who's still at war with them themselves or yep. maybe someone close to them. Yep. And they, they're not going to find peace yeah. until they first acknowledge the reality of what that was, mm-hmm. which was the death of a child, the yep. killing of a child. Yep. Yep. And then to deal with that reality, you need some serious grace. Mm. Yeah. How can any of us deal with our own sin and shortcomings without serious grace? Sure. And yeah. and and if you reject that grace, yeah, I don't need it. It was my right. It's a woman's right. empowerment. Right. I think that just leads to so much, so much misery. Yeah. Yeah. And so did from your vantage point, is it was that a tough environment for you to be in in terms of being the only pro-life voice in that room, more or less? I mean, there were a couple other pro-life, they've kind of put them off on the side, you know, that did say some really good things. I was the kind of main one up against, I think, three other, Mm -hmm. you know, folks. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm always like going into those things. I do do have a lot of interior, like, okay, am I going to do a good job? You know, God, give me the strength. Like, I'm not perfect. I mess up. Like, I'm not like some infallible person. So I want to do a good job representing the truth yeah. and doing it with love. Yep. And I don't know what, you know, tricks they're going to play or what they're mm-hmm. going to throw at me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there is certainly, you know, some questioning going in, mm-hmm. but again, if you do it enough times, it gets easier. Yeah. Yeah. So the first time I ever did like a live TV interview, that was like, I was like shaking my boots or whatever. Yeah. I was wearing boots, but I was yeah. like, how's this going to go? I'm yep. going to totally screw yep. up, you know? And then afterwards like, I totally did terrible. So, you know, you, you do it enough times and it, it gets, it gets easier. Is that the best format for these sorts of conversations, though? I think the best format is a long, long conversation mm-hmm. between two people with maybe a moderator or a few people, yep. not like a let's have people fight on TV for 30 minutes and yeah. then call it, you yeah. know? Because, I mean, it's, it's tough to speak in sound bites. It really is. It's hard to speak in sound bites. And, and though Dr. Phil, it, w- it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a CNN news hit where it's five minute segment on like, tell us why you're right. And right. Like it's, it's not that form, but it's still a pretty condensed format. Um, and it's so highly emotional that moment I'm watching. It's like, wow, this is so highly emotionally charged because and I'll tell you what I think the entire conversation comes down to, um, towards the end in terms of my thoughts that I hope I don't forget. Uh, but it, it just, it doesn't seem like it's the most conducive way to have these conversations is in like, back and forth, yelling, attacking, you know, you're the, cause it's the, the stuff that they were saying about you. I was like, ugh, like these are like not mm-hmm. nice things to say. And it's a, and it, and it's not good faith. And it's strict, strictly appeal to motive as if like anyone who's pro-life is desiring to suppress women. Mm-hmm. Like that, that has to be a right. one-to-one. And it's like, that's no. And I, but I think that's right. Cause it, like the ad hominems of like, you have no empathy, you hate women, that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, I'm a woman and I have empathy for you saying I have no empathy because right. I understand where you're coming mm. from in your pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can kind of go through that process with that person who's sort of attacking you, mm-hmm. it, it diffuses it, at least in my heart. You yep. know, it's like, yep. okay, you're coming from a place of confusion and pain. Right, right. How is that in juxtaposition with sitting down from Brenda mm-hmm. from God is Gray, which I watched that whole thing. And that was like, oh, I want to say a three hour yeah. conversation. And I know Brenda. Uh, I've had her on my channel before. She's sweet. But uh, I think she is so in tune with her positions 
that then she'll put herself in positions to go three hours with you <laughs> on something that like she just she just she just did not do a good job and from my vantage point like it just didn't it didn't seem coherent it didn't seem logical um and so i think you you did a good job of like really laying out mm -hmm. the case and you were able to go super long and there wasn't no cutoffs and it was no there was no personal attacks and no personal it wasn't as like emotionally charged as the dr phil moment what did you make of that conversation because yeah. i thought that was great like i watched that back yeah. and i was like yeah like let's flesh this out yeah. to its logical conclusion on both sides and then all the what about this what about that what about this what about that all that can be fleshed out and i i thought to me that was a great conversation I thought so too, and and a huge kudos to Ellen Fisher who mm -hmm. hosted that. She was great. She's a friend, and she's yeah. actually going to be coming to, I think, uh, SoCal in a little bit. So Amazing. She her on. I would I'm love to. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she's she's phenomenal, and she's such a, a loving person. And I think Brenda, you know, she I think she sincerely wanted to talk, and yeah. I really appreciated that. You know, yeah. sit down for three hours and talk. That's a big yeah. A big Brenda's thing. curious. That's mm -hmm. what I appreciate about Brenda. Mm -hmm. Brenda is doesn't just dismiss and discard yeah. people and label them yeah. as like, or oh, you're just a pro-life fringe right activist. Like mm -hmm. she's genuinely curious and, and tend, I feel like tends to come from a good faith place. But I think she had a really hard job, which is defending what is in ultimately the indefensible. Right. Like right. if you really sit down and unpack all the justifications for and you unpack what it is and you unpack how it, how it, what has happened to our society mm -hmm. post Roe v. Wade, mm -hmm. you end up at the same place, which is that this is the intentional destruction of an innocent life mm -hmm. and we can do better mm -hmm. and we have to do better mm -hmm. as a society. So let's work on making it, making life better. Let's yeah. like work on helping women and serving women, helping children improve yes. the foster care system, yep. improve adoption, helping be there for single mothers. Like let's work on those positive things. Mm -hmm. And she kind of agreed with a lot of that, but at the same time she was conflicted because at least this is my impression, because I think, you know, when your when your brand or your political identity or social identity is that women's empowerment equals pro choice equals, mm -hmm. it's really hard to walk that back. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to walk that back. Yeah, that's why I have so much respect for, you know, physicians who used to commit abortions mm -hmm. who are now passionately pro life and speaking against it. Uh, Planned Parenthood workers who left Planned Parenthood and now are passionately speaking against it. Mm -hmm. Those conversion stories mm -hmm. that takes courage. Yeah. And it takes a willingness to be wrong and a willingness to be like, yeah, everything I said in the past, I, I don't stand by. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's where we got to pray yeah. for, you know, as Christians, pray for our enemies, pray for our opponents, yeah. because we are given this grace by God's grace. Yeah. You know, yeah. we for us to be like, we're superior because we have the truth. No, yeah. you're actually a servant because you have the truth. Yeah. You're yeah. meant to serve others with that truth. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I think in having those conversations, I, I think those those could be difficult because it because mm -hmm. it, it 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 always reverts to just a highly emotionally charged conversation, mm -hmm. right? Um, I want to come back to pro life and all that kind of stuff, but you've since expanded the areas that you have conversations, and the the most frequent that I saw, and I reacted to it, and a bunch of folks reacted to it, and went viral on Twitter was you on the whatever podcast. Mm -hmm. Talking specifically to just Justin Weller, I think I say is it Willer? Wheeler? I always butcher his name. He's one of Andrew Tate's close friends, mm -hmm. uh, and you've been curious about the red mm -hmm. pill and mm -hmm. some of the things there. So, what was your impression of that in hindsight? Because that seemed like um, mm -hmm. he seemed so flustered, and the and yeah. that and they value stoicism so much in those circles. Yeah, and I uh, and I actually have some mutual friends with him, and I was so like. Wow, man! Like you, you really let a woman, a woman, a woman who who are like, oh, how dare you? Like I'm an alpha. Like get get under your skin, and it just—I I don't think it was a good look for him. I don't think it was a good look for 
the red pill community. What was your impression of that exchange? Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of just going back to even going on the whatever and I, you know, starting my podcast recently and stuff, it's all born out of everything we're dealing with as a culture. Mm -hmm. Abortion's one horrible thing. And and I would say the most horrible thing, but there's so much confusion, right? And life is meant to be a gift and beautiful. Mm -hmm. So let's fight for truth, goodness, and beauty and find how to live these together. So like, that's kind of my motivation for even going on whatever. And yeah, when I, when I went on, I didn't, I didn't know who Justin was, to be honest. Like I, I've only begun to kind of get a w- more aware of mm-hmm. the different, um, Red Kill c- community and, you know, understand the different players and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he seemed like a nice guy beforehand. And so I was sincerely asking him questions mm-hmm. about the things he was saying, because he was saying, you know, he had a very strong opinion about like men are this way, women are this way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, women, uh, women need to not be, you know, what do they call them through a forest, right? Mm-hmm. And women, women need to be, um, you know, be submissive and docile mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever. And then we look for traditional women. And then as men, um, we need to just kind of have this freedom to date whoever we want or mm-hmm. just date freely and mm-hmm. sleep around, et cetera. It just seems very inconsistent. Yeah. So I was just asking him questions sincerely mm-hmm. and I didn't expect him to get so upset about it, mm-hmm. but it also didn't phase me because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this guy clearly... Maybe is at war with his own mm-hmm. beliefs mm-hmm. internally. I don't know. Yeah. Let's keep question and see where this goes. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I didn't really, I didn't really think a lot of it to be honest mm-hmm. when I was having the conversation because I was just like, oh, this guy seems like kind of maybe having a bad night, mm-hmm. you know. And then afterwards, when it, the clips were going viral, I was like, oh, I see that I was challenging like some of these doctrines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, some of their dogma. Um, yeah, yeah. Which I kind of knew in the back of my mind that these were like beliefs. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really realize, to be honest, how significant Justin was mm-hmm. in being challenged mm-hmm. um, in that world until he said on the show, like, I'm a friend of Andrew Tate's and stuff. And mm-hmm. I was like, OK, well, I guess yeah. you should be able to advocate for these this lifestyle choice, right. basically, that right. these men are holding. So. How was the conversation? How was it after you guys finished the podcast? Was, was the interaction? Well, like it was after? like 2 a.m. in the morning. No, no. What time is it? It was like 1 a.m. in the morning. Uh-huh. And the show kind of went off the rails because this. One young woman who was so sweet, uh-huh. she kind of was picked on, in my opinion, uh-huh. by the host uh-huh. um, and by it, it kind of just devolved. And yeah. so by the time the show ended, it kind of was sort of like a car crash ending. Yeah. And then everyone was really tired. I had a long drive back to home and get back to my kids. So we kind of said, you know, nice to meet you. I said, nice to meet you. And we we're all like, OK, let's we're all out of here. Let's so get out of here. We weren't, like, <laughs> we weren't like hanging out afterward. There was no so, friendly talk. No, there was. I mean, we were friends. I felt it was friendly, yeah. but we're all like, oh, OK, let's all go get a hamburger now. Yeah, it's yeah. just like <laughs> we're just that's like, funny. We were I, tired, I, 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 to so. be fair, I did not watch the end of the yeah. pod. I just I mean, it, went, it goes to like midnight or one one a.m. Yeah. And you're just having sat there for four hours. Yeah. So it's it's a you know it's a kind of intense yeah. show. You had some interactions with some other women about the pro yeah. the pro life position on that. How yeah. was that in in in, in your, from your perspective? Yeah. So I, I mean I I went on there hoping to have more conversations about life mm-hmm. um and, and womanhood and everything mm-hmm. and yeah I did have a conversation with one of the women there in particular who was kind of advocating for being a professional uh, three or four or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and like a professional. I don't yeah. know. How can you do this professionally? But mm-hmm. but she had this whole story about being a pastor and then she was becoming this, um, you know, basically becoming, prostituting herself, mm-hmm. which is just tragic and awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was obviously, you know, also, not obviously, but she was also in support of her. And so she was saying like, oh, they're just cells. Mm-hmm. The child, it's just a cell. So why do you care so much basically? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you're, you're made oh, of cells. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so 
Where's your lot? Where are you going with right, this? Right. And then she's like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. okay, we didn't go very deep there. <laughs> but next time, you know. Yeah. yeah no, I, I think it's it's really I think those moments are really good. And I'm glad you're getting invited into these spaces yeah. and and being the voice of reason. And I appreciate that the host, by the way, you know, I know I, I mentioned I didn't like the way they treated the one girl. I do appreciate that the host is having willing to have a space for these conversations. Yeah. Even though they're chaotic and crazy, that's part of, I think, the entertainment value for a lot of people. But, yep. you know, where else in the country are we having conversations mm -hmm. with people who radically disagree and live yep. differently yep. where you're showing up and just being very raw about mm -hmm. your personal life mm -hmm. and, and discussing that? Mm -hmm. I think that's a rarity, and I think mm -hmm. that's actually a good thing, and yeah. it's needed. Yeah, I would agree. I think, I, think they, I think they do a good job of putting people in a room that are different and being willing to let people ha go at it and yeah. i think that's a, that i actually think that's a net positive because i believe the best ideas win yeah. i believe the best ideas win oh one more thing to say about um earlier about the red pill community uh -huh. i think that those men could be such amazing leaders mm -hmm. i mean imagine if they took their their drive their comp their competitiveness their talent their hard work and they channeled it towards virtue mm -hmm. not just some virtues but mm -hmm. all the virtues mm -hmm. Self-control, not just in one area, mm -hmm. but in all the areas. Yeah. And channeled it towards the ultimate end that I think we're called to as human beings, which is love. Yep. Love of other people, which is seeing seeing the good in another person and wanting and willing the good for that person. Yeah. And so imagine if the Andrew Tates of the world or the Justins of the world, they they took you know all that drive, all that competitiveness, all that intensity, and they're like, we're going to be servants of humanity mm -hmm. by living by the moral law. Yep. And not just saying men live by it or women live by it, but men don't in one area. No, we 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 are we're children by of God yes. together. Yes. So let's follow God's law together. Yeah. I mean, I think they would be leaders. Yeah. What was your impression sitting down with Zuby? Because Zuby's mm -hmm. very close in those circles. Zuby's a politician, man. Zuby's great. Oh, is he? <laughs> I mean, like, not like in literal sense. Is he but, running? What's he running for? <laughs> well, he's, not, he's 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 he can be in a room mm, with I me yeah. and find a ton of common ground yeah. with me, and then be in a room with. Andrew Tate and Justin and Fresh and Fit the next week. And I'm just like, man, like the respect to you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I had an illustration. I'm not, I'll see if I, if, if I'll share it with you and see if you, if you think about it. But having him on the yeah. channel, I know you guys talked about some of this. What yeah. was your impression from, from his perspective? Cause he's really close to a lot of these guys. And there's some overlap with values, but he's also like, no, you guys are stupid on some of this stuff. Like, not all that high value men are gonna cheat. You, you know, you don't need to go rack up your body count. Like, what do you, what was your impression talking to Zuby about this? Well, I thought it was refreshing because here's someone, like you say, who seems to be adjacent or involved in those circles. And he's like, no, I'm he wants to be faithful. Mm -hmm. He wants a marriage like the his parents have. Mm -hmm. I think they're married. I don't know. I mean, my parents years. are married 50 years. Mine are 40 years. I mean, yeah. that's that's a that's a prize to cherish. Mm -hmm. And to a legacy you want to continue. Mm -hmm. And how do you continue the legacy of a strong marriage? Mm -hmm. You'd make sacrifices. Yep. You practice self-control. Yep. Um, you grow in virtue. There's no other way. Yep. There's no other way. Yep. And so he seems like he really wants to do that. And I admire that. And I think we need more male voices. Yeah. I mean, men, I agree. Men are being, men have been so viciously attacked at large mm -hmm. by so many parts of feminism. So I agree with that. I think it's horrible. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need more we need more male and female role models. We mm -hmm. just need more role models, period. Mm -hmm. And so to have a man like Zuby who's willing to say, I mean, he said it on my when I interviewed him. I think it's coming out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. What's today? Wednesday? Tomorrow? Thursday? Yeah. But he's gonna, you know, he shared about how he wants to. He thinks, you know, he thinks that abstinence is important. He mm -hmm. thinks that marriage is important and fidelity. And you know, he wants to have a marriage like his parents. Like saying those things, I think is a great example to yeah. other men.
All right, I'm going to throw a crazy illustration off of you, and you tell me if you think this is good. When Zuby, one of the last times I was on his podcast was right after the George Floyd stuff. And I, and I said, I don't think there's anything wrong with the sentiment of black. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Lives matter. I said I think, I, it's, I think it's true. Yeah. I said that doesn't mean we backdoor all the ideologies 100%. of the organization of marxism of disruption of the nuclear family why is that so like controversial it's it's not right well i (laughs) I said the same thing and it's like why can't you just have that it's not even that nuanced of a view i think because people have trouble uh seeing nuance i think we want to have that's like very i mean i mean yeah but i think because i think blm the organization has been involved in in some nefarious things and obviously is infiltrated by these other ideologies And, so. I sa- and I said to him, I said, in the same way that the BLM organization was pointing to real issues with awful prescriptions mm-hmm. is in the same way that some of the red pill was pointing at real issues with awful prescriptions and, and, and are emotionally appealing to mm-hmm. people that are hurting. Because if, if there was no truth to it, then there wouldn't be a BLM organization that could have $60 million and buy multiple mansions and do all this <laughs> crazy fr- fraud that they did. Well, and allegedly, every, let me every say allegedly. Every house in America has the BLM sign. I mean, right. it was an impressively impactful campaign. Yes, yes. And I said, and I said to me, they're, 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 they're very similar in terms of the assessing some of the right problems with wrong conclusions and bad ideologies backdoored. And I said... Um, I said, it's interesting. I said, because the same empathy you're able to extend to the red pill, like I was able to exp- ex- mm-hmm. extend to folks that were part of the Black Lives Matter movement, even though I disagreed with the conclusions and the prescriptions of the organization, you know, and he sat there and thought about it and was like, that's like, that's a fair point, yeah. you know, because he was very like, at the time, he was very like, what do you mean? Like, there's no racism. Like, he wasn't like mm-hmm. that extreme, but he was definitely like, mm-hmm. this is overhyped. What do the statistics say? What did this say? And I was just like, yeah, man, but like people are really hurting and this is a real issue to specific people yeah. in the same way where he was saying men are really hurting. This is a real issue to specific men. It's harder for men. And I'm like, it, it's kind of a, a, a reasonable parallel. So we went out to dinner and talked mm. about that. I wish I would have talked to him about this. All. It didn't hit me until mm. we were at dinner. And I was like, yeah, man, like because I because because I was labeled a Marxist and all this stuff because I was like, guys, like, no, what happened to George Floyd's wrong. Mm. Like black lives do matter. This is not okay. Now I'm hyper capitalist. I'm I'm free market. I I think all the nuclear family disruptions was all wrong. I think the organization. I, I I actually don't know a single person that donated to that organization, but I know a lot of people that went out to the protests, and so you know that that was kind of where we had that. I think the, people are just attracted to very strong shows of leadership mm-hmm. and very clear, simple, strong messages. Yes, yes. Um, whether we want to agree or we we you know disagree vehemently. Yeah. And so you mean you use the word nuance, and I think you know nuance can also be an excuse for not taking a strong stand when you need to take That's a good. strong stand. Yeah. So some people do that. Yes. But there is nuance with some of these issues when it comes to, especially you know the branding or the mm-hmm. marketing of the message mm-hmm. connected to the players yes. involved with the branding of the marketing of the message. Absolutely. And the complexity of one message alongside another one, yep. and they actually don't go to go together. Yep. So you know just got to break it down. And 
you know, I know a lot of Christians obviously follow your work and, um, and mine too. And I think that's where like the study of Jesus Christ yes. and his message, you know, yep. and him as the word, like yep. being a disciple for all the time we spend listening to me, you, mm-hmm. you know, Zuby, mm-hmm. all these guys listen to the Lord, that's like good. get in the word yes. and get, you know, I'm Catholic. So part of it is the Bible and it's the magisterium of the church, 2000 years of church tradition, study that, know that, know your history. Yeah. I mean, think about like Mary and Jesus and the disciples, they knew their history. Mm-hmm. They knew the prophecies. They knew the promises of yeah. the Lord. So know your history of your church, know the history, the 2000 years history of Christianity from the beginning of Jesus Christ when he started it and understand what he's trying to, how he wants you to live. Mm-hmm. D- because that's really the only way to navigate all these ideologies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Like, there's so much ideology out there. I think, and and, and the tricky part is with so much ideology out there, sometimes empathy and nuance can get weaponized mm. to promote a false ideology. And I want to kind of have your take on some of this stuff. When even in the video you posted uh, that that I was in. On Instagram, there was someone that like went back and forth with me. <laughs> I think I, I don't saw know if you, you saw the whole thing. Good for thread. you for engaging. I was that so was irritated. Uh, but, but <laughs> I'm like, Rislin's having a bad moment. Yeah, like, oh, I know. I I, I think because 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 I, I want the smoke. Like I have no problem with sitting down with anyone and debating That's this great. stuff. Right. That's I, I, I I like it. Um, and the 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 use of nuance mm-hmm. in terms of the pro-choice position is often used. Right. And so walk me through some of the the, I guess, rebuttals to some yeah. of the points of yeah. nuance, right? So here's the thing. In the world of nuance, you need your bright line morality. Yeah. And there are certain bright line moralities that have been widely universally recognized for throughout civilizations, throughout mm-hmm. human history. Mm-hmm. And they have to do with these fundamentals like do not, mm-hmm. do not, mm-hmm. do not steal. Yep. Um, you know, also have no idols before me. You know, put God as God. Yeah. Honor your mother and your father. Yes. yes. Right? Yes. Ten Commandment stuff. Yes recognized by Judeo, Judeo-Christian, Jews, Jews and Christians for centuries. Yeah. Hey, did you know that you can watch videos like this on the Spotify app? We now are on Spotify under Ruslan Bless God Podcast. So if you're driving and you wanna go back and forth between listening to the podcast and just the audio or watching the video, consider doing it now on the Spotify app as well as all podcast platforms. All right, I'll see you over there. Um, and so if your fundamental principles do not, mm-hmm. and in, in particular, do not kill an innocent person. Yes. Right? Because if you can't nuance that away. Right. <laughs> you can't nuance that away. So like, do not rape somebody. Okay, yes. well, what if the, no, right, right, right. you don't do it. Yep. So when it comes to a child in the womb, there is no good reason to yes. have an and someone will say, well, what if it's a medical condition? And we can kind of walk through the, the biggest arguments, yes. right? Like the, this is the nuance that proves the point, yep. right? Yep. Um, the first step, though, is to say every advocate that I know, sort of in the public space, mm-hmm. they're not advocating for abortions only legal right. in these super rare cases. Right. They advocate for what? A woman's right to choose. Yep. It's up to the woman to decide if it's yep. an important decision, if it's a, if it's a case that's worthy of it. So yep. they're not even claiming it's just the nuance, extra super nuanced cases. They mm-hmm. just use those as justifications for all the other abortions. 100%. 97 to 99% of abortions are for convenience. Absolutely. According to sur- surveys. Right. I mean, they're just the 1% basically that's for these extreme cases like yep. an incest. Yep. But even in those cases, so let's talk about like the the health issue. Like I'm going to die without my some, this is like that's the, the biggest objection the the mother's health that's probably yeah very at least top top three if not top and the answer to that is 
it, it, you have to break down what actually is going on there because going inside a woman and intentionally ending the life of her preborn child mm -hmm. is not a medical treatment. Mm -hmm. There is no medical condition a woman has that needs you to have a dead baby inside her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, there might be an extreme rare medical condition she has where you might need to deliver that baby mm -hmm. earlier than full term. Mm -hmm. And in those cases, which are extremely rare, what a pro-life doctor does is watch and see, provide care to the mother. She's usually hospitalized in, in these severe cases to try to get the baby to term enough that can be delivered early yes. and still save that baby's life. Yes. Save both lives. Exactly. Yeah. Now, in some very, very rare cases, you may have to do an early delivery of that baby, mm -hmm. but you're not going in there and targeting that baby's body for destruction, mm -hmm. ripping it up, giving it a lethal injection. That's how late-term abortions are done. Mm -hmm. You're doing an early delivery yep. because it's a medical emergency and there's no other way. Yep. But in vast majority, even of those those extreme cases, mm -hmm. you there is another way. You wait and see, you, you monitor the mother, you yep. monitor the baby. Because today I think a lot of doctors, they don't want lawsuits. Mm -hmm. They want to just do something quick and not have to deal. I mean, dealing with a patient, caring for the mother and the baby mm -hmm. in the hospital setting for you know weeks on end, it's a lot of work. Yeah. In yeah. other words, it's like, oh, have the just get pregnant later, have mm -hmm. the because it's easier than me having to care for both of you right. as I'm required to under my moral law as a doctor, yeah. right? Yeah. So you got to look. I mean, I've I've interviewed um, former abortionists and doctors who say who've worked in high risk pregnancy centers specifically. Mm -hmm. I think about Dr. Anthony Levitino worked mm -hmm. with high risk pregnancies in upper New York, mm -hmm. tens of thousands of pregnancies, he says not one was an abort necessary. Mm. Not one. Mm. This whole medically necessary thing is a lie. Mm -hmm. And there are thousands of medical professionals who have signed their name to the Dublin Declaration, mm -hmm. which is a national declaration of healthcare professionals saying it is never medically necessary mm -hmm. to do an abortion. That's good. The baby. Another lie is a uh, miscarriage. That's the most oh, yuck. I just go. Yuck. It is Ugh. so. That's just yeah. so deceiving. It's so messed up. They say that it's in like certain... the person we bury dead people. Yeah. So if you bury an alive person, it's yeah. just like burying a dead person. Right. That's the the person who equates miscarriage with a mm. is the person who equates burying a dead body and burying a living body. Mm. Yeah. If the baby's dead inside the mother. Yep. Removing that baby's body because it hasn't actually passed yet. Mm -hmm. He or she hasn't actually passed yet. Mm -hmm. It's not an. Mm -hmm. Now medical coding, mm -hmm. they might put mm -hmm. on the on the coding mm -hmm. because you know induced spontaneous mm -hmm. in some medical coding means actually a natural miscarriage. Mm -hmm. But that's not. We're not talking about legal. Yeah. When we have these pro life debates legally, we're we're wanting to ban elective abortion. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Not spontaneous which is a yep. miscarriage you can't bet. I mean obviously yep. that's just a, it's a it's a it's a tragedy. So but if the baby is alive mm -hmm. and you kill that baby that's an and yeah. should be banned. Yeah, I think uh there was some ambiguous there was some law that came out where they basically tried to say that based on how the law was written and based on the coding or something like that that it could potentially make it more complicated. Then fix the code then fix if the you code. need to and yep. Yep. you know that's that's a matter of like fixing codes. Yep. It's not a matter of we should legalize the mass slaughter of children in the womb. Yep. Yep. Um, incest. Incest, horrific. Same with obviously, yep. it's a form of. Yep. I mean, you can't. It's hard to imagine something worse to happen to a, a child, right? Mm -hmm. And in a case of incest, if pregnancy results or if pregnancy has results, you've got two victims now. Mm -hmm. You've got this young girl or this child, this 
this, this in some cases, I guess incest could be older, but typically we're talking about teen girls, young yeah. girls. Yeah, there's a girl that I think that was, she was 10 or something like that. And she was, oh, what state was this? And she, and there was a big fuss because she had to drive across state lines to get an um, I don't remember. The doctor kind of made her case the yeah. reason to legalize yeah. it. Yeah. But what's the answer? What's the solution, right? Well, first of all, you remove her from harm mm -hmm. because as I investigated at Planned Parenthood for years, mm -hmm. undercover posing as an underage victim, mm -hmm. clinics aren't like separating you from your abuser. They mm -hmm. send you back into the arms of the abuser. Mm -hmm. And in fact, one of the things that we've documented is court cases where underage girls, 12, 13, sue their sue Planned Parenthood mm -hmm. because they went back, got a, was sent back to their sometimes father who was raping them mm -hmm. and no one intervened. Mm. So they just had to, they kept getting raped, kept getting pregnant, going to Planned Parenthood for abortions, sent back to the abuser. Mm -hmm. So I say that because even that case that you're mentioning mm -hmm. about that, I it think was it was Ohio, Alabama. Ohio, I was think it, it was. Ohio? Yeah. yeah, it was, it wasn't incest. It was, it was uh, a 10 year old that was raped by like a family friend or something like that. Yeah. Like, and, and you never heard like, are they being held accountable? It was justice served. You know, is she safe now from the from that abuser? Because in many cases, they're not safe afterwards. Mm -hmm. So the first step is making sure she's safe, making mm -hmm. sure she has counseling, medical care. Mm -hmm. But the next is the next step to turn the the penalty against that mm -hmm. innocent third party, that mm -hmm. child mm -hmm. that's been conceived. Mm -hmm. We don't even give the death penalty. It's against federal law to give the death penalty to rapists in this country. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it okay to give the death penalty to a, a child? Yep. And yep. and that's not to say in any way that you know ten year olds should be getting pregnant. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. That's why the one of the reasons the rape was so horrible mm -hmm. is that you're violating a, a person's body and you're with the possibility of getting them pregnant when mm -hmm. they do, this is not something they're ten right. years old. It's right. disgusting. Right. Right. But the other question to ask too is: Is she going to be healed? Mm. Is she going to be untraumatized yep. by having an? Yep. No. Probably going to be more traumatized. It's more traumatized. Yeah. Yep. So, yes, it's a horrible situation. Yes, it's extremely, you know, it should make all of us angry. It should make all of us like want to fight again to protect children. Mm -hmm. But the answer is not to kill the innocent third party. Yeah. The answer is to love them both, yep. care for them both. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I remember hearing that story and just thinking, like, what a rough situation. But why would we want to induce more trauma? Now, obviously, that is like, Oh my gosh, 10-year-old pregnant. What a what a what an awful situation to be in. The interesting thing about that is that I I had to have to pull the statistic up, but I remember reading that the vast majority of victims actually keep the baby. They do. Which is this, which is wild. It, it's been very um it's not been studied very much yeah. because no one's really No one's I trying mean, to yeah, the pro abortion pay, the yeah. side doesn't isn't really interested in like exploring whether survivors are better off having their children because mm -hmm. in their minds to just have the abortion mm -hmm. that's their solution mm -hmm. to sexual trauma that results in pregnancy just have an which is can be additional trauma but there was a survey done i think it was over over 80 survivors mm -hmm. some of them very young and the majority of them chose their chose um life for their babies mm -hmm. and they afterwards at large large majority were saying i'm so glad that i chose life mm -hmm. and the ones that chose the majority of them were saying i wish i had not had the I know quite a few folks that because um, you live with the rest of your life. Yeah, and I was gonna say I know quite a few folks that have unfortunately had abortions, and I don't know any of them that don't regret it, mm. especially after they have kids. When they have kids of their own, and then they're like, it, it like really hits them, like, mm. oh my gosh, like what did I do, you know? And I think that's 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 the aspect that that seldom gets talked about is the reality of that, you know, of 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 the the shame and and like having to carry that. Um, okay, uh, the. 
philosophical concept of personhood. When does mm-hmm. personhood <laughs> begin? What, yeah. I, what, what is your what is your rebuttal? Because I think it's a, a mute point. I, yeah. I, I don't crap. I don't give a crap when personhood begins. <laughs> That's a human yeah. in there with unique DNA that should have a shot at life. And I'm pretty sure if you le- left that person alone, he would form into a baby and yeah. come to term. And I'm pretty sure that that person at 20, 30, 40, 50 years would have probably preferred the option. Maybe I'm wrong, would have probably preferred the option to be alive than not be alive. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're a human, you're a person. Yeah. I think it's pretty simple. And once we start to say some humans aren't persons Mm -hmm. is when we open the door to human rights abuses. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happened historically, right? So, you know, Jews are subhuman. They're mm. not persons. They're mm-hmm. not recognized under the same law as German citizens who are of Aryan descent. So they're therefore less than, and now mm-hmm. we can just them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, blacks are less than yeah. human because yeah. they're black. You know, like all of the human rights abuses yeah. have one thing in common, and it's dehumanization, mm-hmm. which claims that you are less than, you are not personhood status, even though you share our same humanity. You're yeah. not, you're not really that human right. because I don't like you for some reason. You're mm-hmm. inconvenient. You're 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 the wrong color. Mm-hmm. You're the wrong nationality. Yeah. Like something about you, I hate. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna dehumanize you. Yeah. And with the unwanted unborn child, mm-hmm. that's what is happening. Yep. Yep. When when we when when there's a wanted pregnancy, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I'm so congratulations on your, on your baby. We're gonna throw a baby shower. You right. know, I'm having a baby. It's yep. a boy or it's a girl, whatever. If it's unwanted, mm-hmm. oh, it's it's a fetus. It's, a, it's an embryo. It's not a. Le- oh, I'm just gonna have an. This is a clump of cells. Mm-hmm. It's not, you're not, you don't even give it human terms, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's not coherent. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. They're both just as human. Yep. Yep. And, and you talk about dehumanizing. I mean, there's strong overlap of Margaret, Margaret uh, Sanger Anger. and some of her wild, you know, <laughs> views on race and some of this stuff. And so the, yeah. even in the, the origins of some of this stuff, it doesn't seem like not it, a good place to yeah, it come, wasn't from. come from. Well, yeah. She's the founder of Planned Parenthood. She founded it as the Birth Control League before it became Planned Parenthood. Originally, it was all about uh, handing out birth control and sterilizations. She was actually for for sterilizations Mm -hmm. of the disabled. Mm -hmm. And she was also for, this is the founder of Planned Parenthood, she was also for, you need a permit from the government. She wanted to do a one-child policy in the United States like they had in China. And you would have to apply for a permit in order to have a child. And if you didn't get a permit, you would not be allowed to have children or you would be sterilized. Mm. That's what she wanted. It's darkness. It's so dark. Yeah. And she's celebrated now as like this founder of women's rights. Yeah. It's kind of insane. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, she was also a eugenicist. Mm-hmm. And she supported trying to, she would pen pal actually with some of some eugenicists in Nazi Germany at the time, mm. interestingly. And they would talk about like their solutions for uh, making cleaner races. Yeah. And in her mind, the solution was and mostly contraceptive, contraceptives and sterilization mm-hmm. of minority communities and of the disabled. How is how are there so many people just like remove this part from history? Like, because it seems like not a lot of people even know this. And then the people who know this just like I'm trying to think of like how do you logically well, maneuver around the, that? It's the power of narrative, mm. right? So whoever is telling the history has the power, mm-hmm. and you can rewrite history, mm. and you can say, oh, she's great, and like. You know, all of feminism is great. Yeah, mm-hmm. some of feminism was great, early feminism. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot that's been horrible. Yeah. But if you have the power to write the history, if you're the one setting the school curriculum mm-hmm. in our schools, mm-hmm. if you're the one whose ideological friends are the newspaper editorial board mm-hmm. or the editorial room at CNN, mm-hmm. um, all the newspapers, if you're the one who is 
you know, backing the big studios in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. If you're the one who has the seats at the corporate tables in the boardrooms at big tech companies, Mm -hmm. you know, Jeff Bezos's ex-wife and he's aligned with the same ideology. His ex-wife donated the biggest single gift to Planned Parenthood in its history. Mm. No one knows this. Like very few people know this, Mm -hmm. but she took some of the Amazon wealth and she gave, I think it was over a hundred million dollars to Planned Parenthood. Mm. But if, again, if and so think about the power that she has to perpetuate the lies. Mm-hmm. Planned Parenthood is an almost $2 billion organization. Mm-hmm. They're perpetuating the lies about their founder, mm-hmm. about their origins, mm-hmm. about their intentions, about their operations. Mm-hmm. What do you do in the face of all those lies? Yeah. Yeah, that's heavy. Um, what else? There is... Like, that's heavy. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it because it, it just, it, it, it it just feels daunting. Um, yeah, it, you know, but the good news is that as many Americans are pro-life as pro-choice, yeah. over time as you test... Most Americans support abortion bans. Yeah. Most Americans support abortion bans. Yep. So, like, there's a lot. Of pa- pro-life America is passionate. It's growing. Mm-hmm. So that's the power of truth. Yeah. You can have decades of lies. Yep. And you speak truth to those lies. Yeah. And they crumble. So that's the power. Um, something else that people often say in in response to that is, "Hey, um, the vast majority of abortions happen." you know, uh, within the first trimester, the vast majority of them are in a pill form. And um, late-term abortion is it's such a small percentage, and it's usually done in the most rarest cases. What, what is kind yeah. of the response to, to that? Like, oh, it's okay because it's earlier in the pregnancy. I mean, the child is three years old, not one-year-old, so right. it's okay. The child can't speak yet, so it's okay. It doesn't, it's still a child. Yeah. And, you know, there's tens of thousands of late-term still happening mm-hmm. every single year yeah and the child in the first trimester is a human being maybe the child's not being dismembered with a forcep the way the child in the second trimester is mm-hmm. but they're being poisoned by mm-hmm. a pill mm-hmm. does it make it any better right right yep. and and for people listening there's something called a pill reversal actually a group in san diego helped develop it some doctors in san diego um dr delgado i think i'm gonna be interviewing him soon on my podcast you should have him on too but mm-hmm. he helped invent i mean it's not really some complicated invention because you're using progesterone Mm -hmm. fda approved progesterone like a hormone replacement to help keep the baby from dying Mm -hmm. and and nourish that baby but you can reverse the pill Mm -hmm. if you take some uh progesterone in time you get involved with the Mm -hmm. reversal network Mm -hmm. there have been four thousand lives saved i just want to say that really quick in case anyone listening they should know about it know about the hotline pillreversal.com yeah yeah just i mean just to even have that as as an option i think Mm -hmm. is huge um uh, I'm trying to think of what are, what are the other like rebuttals that people always come with. Um, I mean, there's like overpopulation. Oh, that's nonsense. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the overpopulation is so climatism. Like climatism, the world's gonna end. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. doing a video, Economics Explained, which is a massive non-Christian uh, YouTube channel, just came out uh, with a video with the debate of like is overpopulation mm-hmm. or underpopulation a real mm-hmm. issue and so like i think the data is showing that like underpopulation mm-hmm. is going to be a bigger threat than overpopulation mm-hmm. to civilization so yeah um but that doesn't mean that there aren't i know of a vegan i know of a vegan influencer that got a vasectomy because of overpopulation in his 20s before he got married or had kids yeah and I'm just like, so you're a freaking weirdo, man. So sad. <laughs> like that's the most. Yeah. That's really... the most like, oh my gosh, I saw that, and I was it's like, so wow. Um, I mean, children are our greatest wealth, our yeah. greatest resource, and you know, if you're like, where would the future of humanity be without children? Right. 
Right. We wouldn't have it. And in the end of video, he he talks about how uh, that as much as our population has increased, Mm -hmm. our output and our ability to innovate has like way outgrown the population growth. The what we were, how many people were able to feed, how how much good we're able to do has like way exceeded the actual growth of the population. I want to say by twenty x or something crazy like that. Well, yeah, I mean that. So there have been fears about overpopulation Mm -hmm. now for a few centuries. Mm And the earliest ones in the in the 19th century would say, we're going to run out of food. Mm-hmm. And then technology would advance mm-hmm. and human beings would get smarter and better. And mm-hmm. we, you know, we didn't run out of food. Mm-hmm. Now we are the wealthiest, like at large, um, there's a group called, I think it's called humanprogress.org. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, they're also a great Twitter free feed. And I'll correct this if it's wrong. But I think it's human progress, pro- human progress. But they talk about how you look at all these markers mm-hmm. of human flourishing mm-hmm. How many people have food today versus a yeah. hundred years yep. ago? Yep. People, the poverty level has risen in terms of what's to, to consider poverty today mm-hmm. was considered, you know, not wealth, but considered like, you know, middle cra- class sure. basically decades yep. ago yep. that our poorest poor are better off than ever. Mm-hmm. And more people are better off than the large majority of people mm-hmm. centuries ago. Yep. So humanity is progressing in that sense because Absolutely. of technology yep. and and other things too. I do think that it's not just technology is progressing and automatically we progress because mm-hmm. you can use technology for bad ends. Mm-hmm. But overall, we're holding to a moral compass yep. to use technology yep. for good. That's good. But we can use technology for evil, which is happening with a lot of reproductive technologies today, which is another topic. Yeah. Another pushback is that church history and the Jewish faith isn't clear cut on a, as we would like it to be known in the pro-life movement today? It's just not true. You go back to early church history, and they forbid abortions. Mm-hmm. So something called the Didache, which is kind yeah. of like the early church catechism of yep. sorts, like yep. the first sort of like pastoral letter to the early church. Ex- explicitly uh, condemn it. Explicitly condemns yeah. thou shalt not take any drug designed to abort, mm-hmm. and also c- condemns infanticide too, obviously, because mm-hmm. that was kind of part and parcel with the mm-hmm. kill the newborn, kill the unborn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the early Christians were passionately pro-life. Mm-hmm. And you also just look at, you know, you look at scripture and you can read the pro-life story in scripture mm-hmm. so beautifully. Jesus entered the world as a single cell embryo. Mm. He didn't choose to come as a newborn. Mm-hmm. He didn't choose to come as an adult male. Yeah. He came in the womb of his mother as a single cell embryo. And I think that's so powerful yep. to show the humanity. And then Mary in Gospel of Luke goes to see her cousin Elizabeth after she's in her first trimester. Mm-hmm. Her cousin Elizabeth, also pregnant by a miracle of the Lord, is having John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin, mm-hmm. and Mary goes to visit Elizabeth and mm-hmm. take care of her. Basically, she's about to have a baby. She's mm-hmm. an older woman, and John the Baptist is in the third trimester, and you—it says John the Baptist leaped for joy mm-hmm. at the voice of Mary at the at the doorstep. He was in the in the presence of his Savior, embryo mm-hmm. Jesus, and fetus John the Baptist mm-hmm. is like celebrating with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I mean, what more humanizing image can you get of? That's two good. unborn babies and their mothers, yep. and that's their like a centerpiece story in the yeah. gospel. Because they would say that uh, quickening was the standard of when life began. Well, preborn, uh, first trimester Jesus wasn't quickened yet, yeah. you know. Yeah, and good. the reason quickening was such a standard because mm-hmm. they didn't have the medical wisdom, mm. they didn't have the technology to understand life mm-hmm. before quickening the mm-hmm. way we do. They didn't have ultrasound, mm-hmm. you know. They didn't understand what we understand today, and so they quickening. Then they really knew they were pregnant. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. there's no way to check out. There's no blood test. Yep. There's no ultrasound to make. If there, if you feel a baby moving in you, mm-hmm. you have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> like that was yeah. their standard, right? But that's good. 
they, you know, today we know we can know we're pregnant before quickening. Yeah. What about in the Jewish tradition? They say, oh, you know, the Jews are unsettled about this. And if you look at what, you know, what they thought when Jesus was around, they were not sure. And the rabbis would debate on this. I mean, you can have, and in the Jewish tradition, you have uh, rabbis who advocate for any number of things that mm-hmm. other Jews, Orthodox Jews would say, no, this is not what we teach. Mm-hmm. So because there's disagreement doesn't mean that something immoral is okay. Mm-hmm. But there's absolutely hardcore pro-life uh, rabbis and mm-hmm. and Jews who are like absolutely not. Yeah, you know, thou shalt not listen yeah. to innocent life. We would never. We should not. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, gosh, I'm I'm throwing all of them off of you. These are all the ones that the guy brought up in that in that thread. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> on, on our Instagram. Thanks for post. producing that thread. You know. Yeah, that was great. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the um the the quickening thing was always interesting because I I feel like the modern pro-life movement really exploded with the documentary that came out in the 80s mm. when the doc the ex-pro-choice doctor got access silent scream the silent scream mm. and that was when people actually saw what was happening at a 12 week he was jewish oh interesting Dr. bernard nathanson yeah. was a kind of a pro-abort jewish doctor mm. and ended up becoming passionately pro-life mm-hmm. leaving his practice mm-hmm. And I think he ended up converting actually to Catholicism, interestingly. Interesting. He writes yeah, in The Hand of yeah. God is his autobiography. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an incredibly gripping read yeah. about his life story. He yeah. aborted his own child. Mm. He killed his own child. He killed, I think, 40,000 children yeah. in his practice. Yeah. But he became pro-life, and then yeah. he ended up filming. And yeah. And you can see the baby running away yep. um, from the instruments. Yeah. And it, this was on ultrasound. It's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, we had this conversation with my therapist and he pointed me to that, that movie. And, and it, I kind of started learning more of the history and I was like, oh, okay, like th- th- this makes a ton of sense when you actually see what's happening, then you go, okay, this is way different than how it's presented in a narrative that's being mm-hmm. pushed. Yeah. I think, I think that's a, that's an interesting point. And most folks don't want to go understand what's actually happening. It's like it's like out of sight, out of mind. Right. Right. Have you ever seen uh, Freakonomics? Yeah. So one of the, the things the book, right? Or is there a documentary? Uh, there's a documentary okay. in, 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 in Freakonomics. They basically I don't think I've seen the documentary, but I know the book. They, but they yeah. basically make the argument that mm-hmm. um is a they don't use the language necessary evil, but they basically say yeah. it's a necessary evil that has helped with uh limiting violence and crime mm-hmm. because all of the people that statistically would grow up in poverty to be violent criminals are got aborted when Roe v. Wade got passed. And yeah. that's why we have more, uh, that's why we have less crime. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's so racist because yeah. the black rate is right. three to five times higher than white rate. Like right. these are the population that's struggling and suffering the most. It's basically saying, let's just, let's just delete them. Mm-hmm. Let's just kill them mm-hmm. because we're all better off mm-hmm. instead of let's address the root causes of their suffering mm-hmm. and help them get out of poverty. Mm-hmm. I mean, ever yeah. thought of that? Like, yeah. 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 I, I it's I, kind I, of a dumb one. It's like, it's yeah, you just one. can kill poor yeah. people. You just, can't, just get them out of here. Yeah. Um, or you can help them. Pro-life activists don't do enough to uh, adopt babies and to uh, care for single mothers, care for victims. I mean, I think we can all always do more, but we're doing more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. The pro-life community is adopting and fostering and, you know, serving. I mean, there's, as an example, there's thousands of pregnancy resource centers across this country mm-hmm. that are not receiving taxpayer dollars. They're providing services that Planned Parenthood is not offering. Mm-hmm. So they're providing uh, prenatal care. They're providing 
help for single moms to parent their children, material care for single moms, mm-hmm. and for young families to help have their children. Planned mm-hmm. par- you don't go to Planned Parenthood and get free diapers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're going to say, we'll yeah. give you an Yep. So the pro-life community is actually doing more for mothers and for children than any other group. Mm-hmm. And they should get taxpayer support to do it, quite frankly. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren came down really hard on the um, the pro-life centers, which was really weird. I think even Joe yeah. Rogan acknowledged when he was sitting down with uh, Seth Dillon from the Babylon Bee about how weird it w- how weird it would be to take yeah. away or to try to come down on these pregnancy resource centers. Mm-hmm. Like, so when you got Joe Rogan saying like, who's pro-choice yeah. by the way, saying like this is an incoherent conclusion yeah. is to take away people that are trying to help resources. It's a choice. Yeah. You know, if you if you are truly pro-choice and you think abortion's okay, why aren't you at least okay with not a yeah. You know, yeah. that's what pregnancy centers offer. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's an interesting one. Um, the morning after pill, mm-hmm. right? Um, sometimes people will categorize that as an Other times people say, well, it's technically, it has to latch onto the uterary wall, mm-hmm. which can be after the 24-hour time span, yeah. meaning that it, it could take longer for mm-hmm. the, the latch to happen. Um, what do you personally think about it's this? It's unclear. Micro? Yeah. I wouldn't recommend anyone take it. Yeah. It's unclear. What's a little more clear is like birth control pills can act as abortifacients. Yeah. That's actually written into the spine print of a lot of birth control mm-hmm. pills that because it basically weakens the lining of the uterus, mm-hmm. it prevents implantation, mm-hmm. like you're saying. Mm-hmm. So the baby gets aborted very early term. But um, it's unclear with your morning after pill. I would just, just say, yeah. I mean, my rule of thumb, especially for Christians listening, like we have our moral standards very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this belongs in marriage. Yep. Amen. Obviously, mistakes can be made mm-hmm. and are made. Mm-hmm. If they are, accept the responsibility. Yep. If God gives a child in that situation, mm-hmm. accept that responsibility, that beauty, that mm-hmm. God has a plan. Mm-hmm. But I think if we just kind of shift the conversation to towards honor mm-hmm. and respect, mm-hmm. sexual integrity, mm-hmm. um, sexual respect, I think that does a ton of good. You know, we'll, we'll change, can help change Amen. society. Amen. The problem Amen. is a lot of Christians, I think, we listen to the same music, we watch the same shows, we swim in the same water mm-hmm. of our non-Christian mm-hmm. friends, and we sort of get tempted to live and live by the same standards. And I think if we can live differently mm-hmm. and attract people with the beauty and the tensi- intensity with which we live and putting backward belongs in marriage, we can be tremendous examples to other people. Because yeah. what you're also getting at is the preventative measures in Exactly. That's what I, you know, like that's a, that's a yeah. simple way to say it. Exactly. Yeah. Like we're all this talk of the morning after pill. It's like, well, why have we ever tried self-control? Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean it, it always kind of amazed me like this idea and back to the red pill stuff, this idea that like we're fated to have mm-hmm. like, we are just, just like, well, you have to have, sex. no, right. you don't. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and yeah, some people have higher drives than mm-hmm. others. Some people have addictions mm-hmm. that they need, you know, actual, clinical help for Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they maybe have deep traumas that Mm -hmm. are like feeding that and you know sexual deviancies that they need like actual things that they need to unbury in their childhoods Mm -hmm. or things that they've endured so there's complexity there right Mm -hmm. but we have Mm self-control and we can practice that and we can put back where it belongs which is in a loving lifelong committed relationship where you know you may have kids Mm -hmm. it's called marriage a public loving you know relationship um why should women who perhaps make the mistake, teenage mothers, so on and so forth, uh, of being promiscuous or, or not being promiscuous, just, just sleeping with their boyfriend, and maybe they didn't know the biology of how it worked. Mm-hmm. Why should they have to then deal with the 
practical consequences of having a baby and also the, the economic challenges yeah. that they're going to have to face. Meaning like the guy is off, often gets off scot-free. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's a problem like yeah. that, that guys are not, that guys can get off scot-free mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's where obviously there's I mean, child legal, support. Legally they can't in yeah, terms of child legally support, they but can't even child support, I think the average payment is like 300 bucks a month. Yeah. I mean, like that's that. where back to the whole red pill stuff, guys, Yeah. do you know, like the single mothers you guys are making? Yeah. Like you, maybe it's an accident, like, oh, it wasn't supposed yeah. to happen, but where's the responsibility for that? Yep. Like, I, I don't know. I just think the response, the, the, the end solution is we each have to take responsibility. And especially if a teen girl's getting pregnant, that's a responsibility. If she has a family, mm -hmm. she doesn't have a family, the local church mm -hmm. to come alongside her and help her mm -hmm. and also try to corral that young man towards commitment, mm -hmm. not saying that they have to then get married or something, mm -hmm. because I, that's, that's a question mark. Mm -hmm. Like if you get pregnant with someone that doesn't mean you necessarily should marry them, mm -hmm. maybe sounds controversial in some circles, yeah. but it, it all depends on circumstances on where the people are at, what's going on. Um, that's where adoption sometimes can be mm -hmm. a beautiful solution. Mm -hmm. Obviously that comes with its own tragedy. Mm -hmm. Like anytime a biological mother separated from her baby, there's a, there's pain there, mm -hmm. you know? So there's complexity, like the, 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 the practical solutions for these things involve different people, involve different decisions. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, you know, every case is going to be a little different, but I think the, the through lines are we should support and not shame mm -hmm. pregnant mothers, mm -hmm. including that 14 year old teen girl. Like yep. she deserves respect and support. Yep. Yep. It, this idea, like I heard a story of a girl who was not allowed to walk at her high school graduation mm. because she was pregnant. Mm. It was like some Christian school. Mm -hmm. And the That's dude, crazy. the guy, I think he might have walked. You know, he wasn't walking around carrying the baby. Obviously, he didn't he, he didn't carry the pregnancy. He didn't have that. The girl had experienced that. Mm -hmm. Like how dare that school do that? Yeah. Like the like they're just just cuz you're pregnant, being pregnant is not a crime. Mm -hmm. Being pregnant deserves actually a status of support and respect for other people that you're carrying a precious child that deserves love and care. Yep. So you should get that love and care too. And if there's any shame, yeah, outside of marriage is, a sh I think it's a bad thing. Yep. It's a, it's a harmful thing. It's destroying society. Yep. So we can talk about shame there and not to shame people who make mistakes, but right. saying, yeah, there's a natural shame that comes when you're, you're having with someone that you're not married to. And mm -hmm. I think, I think in a sense, there's there's a there's good shame, mm -hmm. not shame that destroys a person's self esteem and their whole identity, but yep. a shame that helps direct them good. towards doing the right thing. Yeah, like don't keep the shame with you. Just yeah. make the right choice yep. and, and try to strive towards the right thing. That's but good. to shame a woman who's pregnant, I think is sick. Yeah. And in the Christian world, particularly, we have to be especially sensitive about that. Yeah, that's good. Okay, I got I got one. I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce my hot take on the entire conversation off of you nice to, to, to the very 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 simplest form and i want to know what you think but it's a little too too hot for for the public youtube <laughs> so we're going to go to our patreon exclusive section right now meet us over there if you want to hear an extended version of this conversation i have a few more questions for lila and some questions from our online community here's my hot take and this is i haven't made a video about this but I'll see what you think <laughs> this entire conversation to me mm -hmm is going to come down to one of two tragedies, one of two evils. One tragedy is women don't get the right to go after their dreams and their financial aspirations and their career aspirations if they have a baby prematurely. That's the doomsday worst case scenario. Or babies don't get a right at life, right? And so if I'm looking at it from a completely black pill doomsday scenario, those two evils right 
quote unquote evils. Uh, I'm going to choose protecting the baby and protecting the right of someone that is the most vulnerable to live over protecting the right of the woman that wants her self-actualization. Well, that baby could be a girl. Or that baby could be a girl. Yeah. Can go on plot and get twist. an education, yeah. a plot twist, yeah. and get an education yeah. and, you know, have a career. Like, right. it's it's a, her whole life in front of her. Right. Right. So, so that, what, yeah. what, what, do you, what do you think of like if I if I if I if I have to break it all down and I have to go to the be- that's what the two sides are arguing. Yeah. Right. One is like you, you're not allowing women to do what they want and go after their dreams and goals. And the other side is saying you're not protecting babies who are the most yeah. vulnerable. And if I got to look at those two, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go, well, yeah, I mean, there's natural consequences. And even for the one percent times where the woman didn't do anything wrong, um, I, I'm still going to side with the more vulnerable person in the situation. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But I also don't think, you know, I know you said it's like the doomsday scenario, yeah. but listen, how do we get to a point as a society where motherhood is so denigrated mm. that it's seen as this like worst possible? Right, right, right. Because like, right. you're not talking about mother versus career, even mm-hmm. in that, or that you're talking about baby versus career. You're talking about like being a mother of that baby. Yeah, yeah. which I mean, versus, which you have to pause your career and you have to pause your dreams and you might have to take a couple semesters off from school and whatever. Right, but two things. First of all, why isn't education and work more accommodating of parenting? That's a great question. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, like, if if, if our end goal as a society is pure productivity and money, Mm. we're going to be a miserable, broken, unhealthy, dying society. That's good. It has to be human beings Mm. and their flourishing. Flourishing includes economic, but it's more than economic, right? Yes. But then the other part of it, too, is where do we get to the point where like the ultimate expression of like being an empowered woman is to be like really rich <laughs> or really famous. Or like, to do what you want to do for work. Or just to do, to do what, your yeah. passion for work. Like yeah. to do your passion for work. You know, those things can be good. It's not bad to be rich. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not bad to be famous, although it has its downsides, I mm-hmm. guess. But like, and, and work is, work can be beautiful and yes. is beautiful, yes. I think. Yes. But since when are, and, and but since when is motherhood seen as lower than those things? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that is an all of us problem. Yeah. And it's partly because of feminism, especially mm-hmm. like modern feminism. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I think it even exists in the church to some degree. Mm-hmm. Like we see the stay at home mom mm-hmm. as kind of like a fuddy duddy. Like mm-hmm. she's just this girl who doesn't have any ambition and she's not very intelligent. She's yeah. not very skilled. She's yeah. not a big contributor. She's yeah. not very beautiful. Like we just sort of look down. Wow on moms especially like the stay-at-home mom when they are our queens Mm -hmm. like they are our royalty and start to treat them like that like this gets me almost emotional because i think about my mom Mm -hmm. and the sacrifices she made and Mm -hmm. i think about the sacrifices i'm trying to make for my family Mm -hmm. like and 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 men are kings like stay-at-home men in the terms of like their priority isn't making money Mm -hmm. their priority is their family and their money is to serve their family and their community right it's a reprioritization of why am i working yes use your talents yes pursue your dreams but to what end yes is it to serve your family to serve your community or is it for your own selfish gain come on yeah that's good that's good that's 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 um obviously i think we need to reframe motherhood but i think we also need to reframe what is possible despite challenging circumstances for sure and like 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 you know motherhood is a superpower and it requires excellence you know now not to say like we as um, automatically excellent as mothers we work at it right Mm -hmm. it requires it requires talent and i would also just say anyone listening who's a mom god gave you your kids Mm -hmm. and you have a special anointing spiritually speaking and psychologically to mother your child yeah 
So I think that's another thing. We compare ourselves. We get, yeah. you know, we watch mommy bloggers or Instagram mamas and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm failing. Like yep. mother the way you mother. Yeah. Like learn the principles, grow in virtue, but like you're do it the way that you do it. Like yeah. your children need you specifically, not someone else's mom. Yep. There's not like this like box cu cookie cutter mom. Right. Like this One is the perfect mom. All, no, yeah. moms look different. Yep. Some moms are really athletic and mm -hmm. adventurous. Some moms are really good at like making the home look pristine. Yep. Some moms are really good at like activities and like doing interesting. Some moms are working moms mm -hmm. and they're going to try to accommodate, you know, uh, their children, accommodate their work around their kids, but yep. they want to contribute and yep. they're called to contribute so yep. there's complexity and there's yep. nuance in how you mother have the principles of you know put your spouse and kids first like yep. don't put your i don't think ever put work first like work should be subs is there to serve the family yeah. but i think we should just focus on celebrating motherhood more yeah, yeah. and and in a way even glamorize is a weird word because glamorize can often be a bad thing but and romanticize can also be a bad thing but i don't know remember like, i would just say even like the poetry of motherhood mm -hmm. Like it's a hand that rocks the cradle, rules the world. Like there, there is truth to that. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you have so much power as a mother. So I, th I think that's so good, and I think we lose that. And unfortunately, people will create bigger obstacles for things than there really are. But they miss the fact that uh, the possibilities to overcome mm -hmm. tough challenges, even if you are in poverty and you are in these dire situations, that a lot of times people having a baby is one of the greatest blessings to get them on track and figure it out and, and, and push through, you know? And so I think it's like you, you remove the logical conclusion, the re the cause and effect, you remove that. And then it's almost like an out instead of it being a lesson and a, and a way to transcend the tough situations. Yeah. I would just say to someone who's listening and if they're pregnant or they know someone who's pregnant, they're like, my life's over mm. kind of feeling yep. my dreams are dead. Yep. Um, your life has changed. Yep. That's a fact. Yep. And there are, there's going to be hard things about it. Yep. But it's going to be more beautiful and more rewarding. Yeah. And you're going to be able to accomplish more than you could have ever have dreamed. Yeah. You so, have that external motivator now of a human. Yes. Which is I great. will say becoming a mother, I feel like I am becoming a wife first. I mean, my life has changed for the better in so many ways. I've grown. Yeah. And I feel like I have a rootedness now that I didn't have before. Mm. I'm not to, this is not to say that singles can't have rootedness and sure. like can't have a beautiful, because sure. some people are called to singleness or some, yeah. maybe they're just kind of waiting, saying, hey, am I going to marry or not? Yeah. So God can meet you where you are. Mm -hmm. But I will just say for me, saying yes to my husband and mm -hmm. yes to getting married and yes to children, it has changed my life for the for the better in, yeah. in, in so many ways. That's good. Uh, one of our Patreon members asked, what do you think of FDA considering to approve birth control pills to be sold over the counter? Yeah, I mean, it's all awful. Yeah. It's like birth control pills, which can be a bird of patience, by the way, and have so many health effects. Mm -hmm. It's it's medicating something when if they're being sold over the counter specifically, they're mm -hmm. being sold as contraceptives because mm -hmm. some people say, well, I take birth control for my for my acne, right? Mm -hmm. By the way, if you're taking birth control for your acne, I highly recommend finding a doctor who's not just going to prescribe you birth control for your it's acne. It's a weird thing to find out. Well, a lot of a lot of girls are yeah. put on birth control for like really heavy bleeding huh. or find out the reason for that uh -huh. because the birth control pill is going to make you sick in other ways mm. and it's going to harm your fertility. Mm. So f fertility yeah. is a sign of health. Mm -hmm. Heavy bleeding, mm, there's something going on. Bad really cystic acne, acne, something bad could be going on. Yep. Your fertility, though, is not the problem. Yep. So treat the underlying hormonal imbalances. Mm -hmm. Find the, doc the doctors who will help you with that as mm -hmm. opposed to just giving you birth control. But when birth control is being sold over the counter, you know, young girls are going to be taking this. Mm -hmm. 
damaging their bodies, mm. leading to anxiety and depression. Like yep. that's a fact can lead to blood clots. I mean, there's so many negative health risks yep. of birth control and it's, it's horrible. Yep. It's poison for kids, yep. Yep. poison for girls. Yeah. All what to be sexually available to men. Yuck. Yeah. That's what it's for. Yeah. That's good. Um, Look into the camera. Tell the people how they can fight. Where's the this. camera, by the way? Oh, the, there's your the camera's camera. right okay. there. Tell the people how to how they can fight the good fight and yeah. what they can do Thanks. to be an advocate for this. Yeah, we need everyone involved in the pro-life fight because this is the human rights fight of our day. And spiritually called, we're called to love the least of these and the most vulnerable. And there's nobody more vulnerable than the child in the womb today and their mothers. And so, get involved in the pro-life movement. Liveaction.org is my organization, and we're serving families and and society at large with the truth sharing education primarily and connecting people to resources get involved in your local pregnancy center if you have one if you don't start one i'm sure you do most of most uh groups do and if you're involved in a church talk to your pastor your every church in america should have a full-time pro-life ministry who's focused on sexual integrity who's focused on serving uh struggling families who's focused on helping prevent abortions and focused on advocating for the right to life for all children if go. we do that as a church, I believe we can end up. Lila Rose, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thank you. This Thanks. was great. Thanks, All right, guys. We're out of here. Be sure to uh, subscribe to Lila Live Action. Check them out on all platforms. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on Thanks. again. Thanks for having me. Hey, if you want to see the extended version of this podcast, completely unedited, consider partnering with us in our online community for as little as $5 a month. In exchange, you get access to these podcasts as we stream them live before anyone else gets to see them. You get access to the replay of our daily after-party streams, access to our private Discord server, access to discount codes, and so much more. So help us continue conceptualizing the gospel through media, podcasting, and YouTube, and partner with us for as little as $5 a month. Also, be sure to follow us on the Spotify podcast app, on Facebook, and on Instagram. We're constantly posting content there that I think you'll find extremely valuable. All right? I'll see you over there. Peace.